What's up, church? You sound fired up. You glad to be in church? Oh, I like it. I like it. Right on. Well, hey, if you're not at this campus and you're at a less excited campus, we're glad you're with us today. So welcome all our Denver locations. And hey, can you guys help me and say a special hello to Brussels? We love you, Brussels. We're so glad that you're with us today. And, and we're going to make some real noise here in a second for both of our God Behind Bars campuses, men and women. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. We believe in you. And we're so glad that you're a part of this church family. Church, let them know. Make some noise. We love you guys. We got any single people in the house today? I heard a woo. Couple were proud. Couple sounded desperate. Hey, listen, if you're single, put your hand up. Put your hand up, single people at every location. Look around the room, see what you got to work with today. If you're here today hoping and scoping, put both hands up. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I do that to have fun, but I also, I want you to get closer to Jesus and closer to getting married right here at the local church. This is the best place to find your spouse. Me and my wife will have been married 20 years. Can you believe that? 20 years next month. And I met her at a life group in church. So you see, get, get in church, get in a life group. Um, we got married when we were seven, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I saw, I do that from time to time with the whole singles thing. And, and uh, I saw a big old boy in the gym recently, and he was like, hey, Sean. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and he goes, you know how you did that? Put your hand in the air if you're single thing. And I was like, I know, it's immature. I should stop. And he's like, no, bro. Thank you. <laughs> he goes, I was in the back corner like this. <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> so single people, I love you. Married people, make some noise. Yes, yes, I love it. Hey, let's read the Bible. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7, Paul's writing to his friends in Corinth, and he's writing to a church. So, so for us, we get to read this today and go, talk to us, talk to us, Paul, talk to us about our church. He's writing to a church, and he's about to tell them, I saw some things go down at this church over here that blew me away, and I don't want you, I don't want this church family to miss out on it, all right? That's what he's writing about. Okay, here we go. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And he said, check this out. In the midst of their severe trial, their overflowing joy, and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Let, let me just stop and focus on that for just a second. Understand what he just said right there. He said, I saw a church in Macedonia these guys were going through some real hard trials in life, dealing with extreme poverty, and I saw them experience crazy joy in the middle of really bad situations, and it was their generosity that unlocked the joy. I saw them get crazy generous in the middle of trials, and then they had joy that didn't even make sense. For I testify, he said, I saw it. I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord, to the Lord's people, to which every pastor on the planet now reads this verse and goes, I've never experienced that. 
No one's ever begged me to give. <laughs> okay, maybe some. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And here it is. But since you excel in everything, like you guys are blowing the roof off in so many areas, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says to this church, he said, I saw some crazy things happen in Macedonia and it all hinged around generosity. And he said, I, I'm checking your church out. And listen, I'm, I'm seeing you and you're excelling at so many things. Your faith is on the rise. You're able to articulate your faith better than you've ever been. You're doing life together. You're getting real with each other. You're loving each other. You're journeying together. Like you're excelling in so many areas. He said, make sure you also excel in the grace of giving. And so we're going to do something that we started last year. We're going to finish off the year with this Grace of Giving series because we believe that this is who we're called to be. We have four words that describe, that really describe who we want to be as a church family. It's authenticity, humility, unity, and generosity. And, and maybe in the next year I'll do a series where we just walk through those four words together. But here's what we know. We've done our best all year long to excel in all these other areas. And so now before we close the last chapter on 2018, we want to make sure that we as a church family are also excelling in the grace of giving. So if this is your church family, there was an envelope on your seat when you walked in. Let me quickly explain that, and then we're going to take off. Here's what I'm asking. If this is your church family, if it's not, lean in. If it's your church family, and if and only if you feel like, you know what, this is something God's calling me to get involved with, then take this envelope home and just pray over it. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If you've got a family, pray with your family. and Just say, God, based on what you've given me, do you want me to be a part of this end of year giving? And that's it. And then we all just sort of answer the call and do whatever God leads us to. And I have no doubt that whatever comes in, we're just going to go give away a whole bunch of money and help a whole bunch of people. In fact, don't miss next week because you're going to get a very detailed report of what your giving has been doing and how God's been using it to make heaven more crowded, how, we, how God's been using it to help feed kids who don't have food, clothe kids who don't have clothes, get people out of sex trafficking. Like we've gotten to be a part of some amazing things. Don't miss next week. Okay. You're going to get to hear all about it. So if this is your church, you take that home. We're not taking the big offering today because I don't want to get you all wound up and emotional and get people crying. And going, oh, God, that's me. Let's write a check. And then Wednesday, you're like, what have I done? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that. I don't want you to act on, on emotion. I don't, want, I don't want you to act on impulse. I don't want you to be guilted into one single thing. I want you to think about this, pray about this. And, and three weeks from now, on December 8th and 9th, when we take this end-of-year offering, I want you to, if you can't bring it with joy, don't even sweat it, right? This is about us coming to God with joy and realizing that it's a privilege. And here's the conversation I'll be having and I'll encourage you to have with your family. It's this. Based on what God's given us and done in our lives, 
What's he want us to do? And it's for two reasons. We're not trying to buy a building. We're not dealing with some crazy debt we can't manage. We're not in trouble. God's taking great care of this church, right? That's not what this is about. This is what it is. Because of what you've given me, I want to do two things. I want to say thank you. And I want to say I want to build your kingdom, not just mine. Because left on autopilot, man, that's what I'll do. That's what you'll do. We'll just get whatever God blesses us with and we'll hold on to it real tight and we'll try and build our little kingdom. And so every now and then it's good for us to be reminded, you know what, I'm going to take part of what God's given me. I'm going to bring it back to God and I'm going to say thank you and let's build your kingdom, not just mine. Let's go. You down? All right. Now, I know that everybody didn't clap right then. I know that when you hear somebody talk about money in church, it brings up all sorts of emotions. I get it. I have sat in your seat and heard people talk about money more than I've actually stood on the stage and talked about it to other people. So I get it. I get the whole range of emotions. It goes all the way from like, woohoo, to I'm going to fight somebody before I leave here today. <laughs> right? Let's just be honest. There's some people, I know I've talked to them, that are like, this is perfect timing. Praise God. We were just talking about how much God has blessed us, and we've been looking for something to give to. This is perfect timing. I want to be a part. I want to build God's kingdom. Praise God, right? And then it goes like, it starts to slide down from there. Let's be honest, right? Because it goes from like, praise God, to like, all right, all right, to Really, bro? I brought a visitor. <laughs> and you're going to act like that? That's what you're going to talk about? I've been waiting for six months to invite this person, and you're going to talk about this tonight, right? And listen, if this is your first time, at first I was like, man, well, that kind of sucks that you came on this day. And then I started thinking like, no, wait a minute. This is actually a good thing for you because, listen, A, know this. We don't want a thing from you, Right? But here's what you get to do. You get to peek behind the curtain and see what's really important to us as a church family. And what you're going to find is we actually believe so much that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world that we're willing to sacrifice some of what we have to make that possible for people to find out quicker. That's who we are. So you're probably here on a great day. And then if you're on the all the way up the, at the up, other end of the extreme, which is like, I don't know if I want to fight somebody, but I could. I get it. I felt it. In fact, I was, I was getting a haircut this week, and I was talking to my friend, and we're going to call her Janet. Her name's not Janet, but I like Janet. We're going to call her Janet. I was talking with Janet, and Janet was, and I was like, how are you doing? And we're friends. She goes to the church. We've been friends for a long time now. I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm working on the message today. She said, oh, well, what are you talking about this week? And I was like, you know what? I'm glad you asked because you can help me put the message together. I'm talking about giving. And she was like, I was like, whoa. No, she didn't really. But it got real quiet real quick. Like all the fun got sucked right out of the room. I could feel it. And I was like, huh. I said, you don't like that idea, do you? She didn't say anything. I said, you could tell me. She's like, no, nah. she's so nice. She's like, no, nah, I don't want to say anything. I just, <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, tell me what you think. Like, I want to know. She goes, really? I said, yeah. She goes, I don't like it when people talk about money in church. Puts me off. And I was like, I get that. Tell me about that. Let's talk about that. She didn't know what she was, she thought she was just cutting hair. Like we got into an in-depth life conversation. 
And one of the reasons why, and she said, she's just being real honest with me because we're friends. She's like, look, I'm not doing real well in life right now when it comes to finances. Like, I'm struggling. I'm just getting by. And, and someone in church is going to tell me I ought to take money that I don't even know how I'm going to pay all my bills and give money to God. And, and of course, I want to be a part of stuff like that. And I want to be generous. And I want to be a part. But, like, I feel like I can't. And then I leave, and I just feel worse about myself. And I'm telling you, my heart, like, sank. And I went and sat out in my car for a long time. And I didn't even leave the, the salon parking lot. I just sat out there. And I was just like, had this conversation with God. And I was like, God, that's the last thing in the world I ever want to be to anybody. The last thing in the world I would ever want is, number one, to make you feel guilty about being in a tough spot. The last thing in the world I would ever want is for someone to come to this church, be struggling, and we try and take something from you so you could struggle more. Like, that's the last thing in the world we would ever want. In fact, if you're here, whether you've been coming here for years or this is the first time you've ever been and you're really struggling today and like you're in one of those situations and I've been there where like, dude, 20 bucks would change everything for me. Like it would allow me to eat today and otherwise I don't know. Like if you're in one of those situations where you're hurting and you're here today, yes, I'm going to talk about money. But let me tell you something. We're going to take an offering at the end of the service and it's not this big end of year thing. It's just our weekly offering. And some people give online and some people give with check and some people give with cash. When that bucket it goes down your row and if there's loose cash in it and you're hurting today you reach in there you take out the cash put it in your pocket don't you feel guilty for a second and just know we don't want anything from you we want you to know Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life today so I, I gotta manage this tension and I know it's here okay and the tension is some people are real excited some people get real bothered by this subject, right? And so, but, but here, here's the tension. I know it brings up emotions. I grew up really poor and we didn't go to church very often, but we went a few times. And I can remember sitting out in the parking lot and my dad would be like, see, they took an offering. They talked about money. All they want is our money and we'd never go back. I know that's a real thing. See, but I also know I could take this microphone around this room. I could take this microphone to every campus in every location we have this weekend, we'll do 20-some services this weekend, and there will be thousands of people across our church family that would go, but, but don't, don't let them miss out on the blessings that come with financial obedience because, like, let me tell you my story. Some of the greatest times of peace we've ever had as a family has been after financial obedience. Some of the greatest blessings we've ever experienced, some of the closest moments I've personally ever had with God have come right after financial obedience. I mean, money is so hard for us these days. Like, it's the number one reason or one of, it depends on the stats, of why people are incarcerated. It has to do with money. It's one of the number one reasons why people are getting divorced. It's one of the number one reasons why people have anxiety. Like, we need to be set free from some of that stuff, and we need God to be in charge of our finances, and we need His peace and His joy and His purpose in the process. And so I know it's difficult, but I don't want you to miss out on everything God has for you. So I hope you can appreciate that tension that I'm trying to, to manage, okay? So the only way I know to do it is this. Because I told you those four words that are important to us, the first one is, authenticity. The only way I know to handle a tough topic like this is to ask for your permission to just be real. Like I say we're a family all the time. Today I'd like to actually interact like one, which means I just tell you what I think. 
I tell you what I believe. I tell you my conviction on this issue. And, and I don't worry about like, what are you gonna tweet? And what are you gonna quote? And am I gonna get misquoted? And how many emails am I gonna get? Because no matter what I say, following my description about a financial talk, no matter what I say from this point on, somebody's gonna disagree. And what I've learned is everybody who disagrees has an email account. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Right, but so what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to, as my dad would say, don't beat around the bush. Like, just say it. Just say what you mean. What I'd like is your permission to today just tell you what I think as your pastor, tell you what I believe the Word of God teaches us about finances, and then you do what you ought to do every single week anyways, no matter who you listen to, is go check it out for yourself. Go read the scriptures for yourself. Dig into it for yourself and go, God, you speak to me about my life because I want to be obedient and I want to walk in the calling you have for me. If there's favor to be found, if there's blessings to be had by financial obedience, you want that. I want that. So I'm going to tell you what I believe and then you go see where you land on it. Does that sound fair? All right, let's do that. All right, so I've got, if three people clap, everybody's got to clap. Come on, I need to know we're all together. That's the rule. We've got to commit. All right, I have three statements, and really each statement is sort of a challenge, and, and, and they're at different levels, and my hope is, is that you just hear my heart on this issue, okay? So the first one would be this. If you hear me talking about this, me, whoever you hear talking about, and you're like, look, I'm just not there. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know what I think. I need to check it out. I need to investigate it for myself. I've never done that. It makes no sense, right? Here would be my challenge. Pray that God would give you the grace to give. Pray that God would give you the grace to give. And I say this because this, I think at the core of who we are, every single one of us, we crave to be generous. We want to be generous. We were created to receive blessings from our Father and sort of funnel them. I receive blessing to be a blessing. It's hardwired into who we are. And I think at our funerals, like our, one of our deep desires is, I hope when the people that were closest to me talk about me, they talk about how I was generous. We want that, that I was generous with my time, my talents, my treasures. Like I was a generous, giving person. We want that. We want to be like that. The problem is we don't like letting go of stuff. So I would just say, start praying, God, would you give me the grace to give? Let's reread 2 Corinthians 8.1. I noticed something this week I'd never seen before in this passage. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, check this out, that God has given the Macedonian churches. God gave them the grace to give. God gave them the grace to give generously. So if you at any degree say, you know what, I do, I, I want to be generous, then I would say start praying for it. Maybe you're not out of place right now. That's okay. Start praying, God, would you give me the grace to be generous and then just show me how. And then start small. Take a baby step towards obedience with God. God, you give me the grace to give, show me how, and I'll start small. I'm telling you, we could wrap up in prayer right there and that right there will change some people's lives. If you would actually pray that and actually let God lead you in that, it'll change the way you live. It'll change the purpose in which you live with. And it'll change the way you'll be remembered. God, give me the grace to give. Show me where. And I'll start small. That'd be my first. 
My second challenge, statement slash challenge for you would be consider tithing. For me and my family, again, I'm telling you what I believe the Bible teaches. What, here's how my family treats giving God's way. Tithing, like that's where it starts. That's the basics. That to us is giving 101. We, the basics for us is tithing. And then if we're going to excel in the grace of giving, if we're going to worship through our giving, for me and my family, it comes after tithing. Tithing is the basics. That's how it works for us, okay? How it works for anything, though, is in, in any area, you always have to nail down the basics before you can excel, right? We all know that. I'll show you what I mean. I'm going to ask a question here. I would like a, um, an audible response. I'm going to find out if we are a skiing church or a snowboarding church. If you are a skier, make some noise. If you board, make some noise. The, the verdict is in. We're a boarding church. Sorry. The boarders win, at least at this campus. I just got to hang out this week with one of the best skiers, though, on the planet. His name is David Wise. He is an unreal skier. Even better, I think, man of God, husband, father, and preacher. This dude is a preacher. He came and preached to our staff this Tuesday. And then he preached to the youth groups at all of our locations through video on Wednesday. He's a preacher. And he is, like I said, he's an amazing man of God, husband, father, preacher, decent skier. Let me share his resume with you. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. We could probably stop there, right? Like right there. He's the best. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, four times X Games gold medalist, 2013, I heard a come on. I don't even get that when I preach. 2013 skiing world champion, nine U.S. championships, five Grand Prix wins, four World Cup wins, when he's competed with the best skiers in the world, he's been on the podium 23 times. And not only is he like amazing at skiing, he's also, like I said, just an amazing human because he just won this 2018 ESPY winner, best male action sports athlete. And what's really cool is he's part of the Red Rocks Church family. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's the man, the myth, the legend right there, David Wise. When he does what he does, it looks like this. That's him. Yeah, way up in the top. That's not a bird or a UFO. That's him upside down hovering over earth. That's what he's doing. I saw that picture this week and it made my chest tight. I started to feel anxiety. Just I, was, I started to pray for his safety, right? They're like, God, just keep him safe. God's like, he's not actually doing that right now. I'm like, I know, but just keep him safe. I met his wife and kids this week. I'm like, stop doing that. That's crazy. That's what it, but I got this picture lodged in my brain right now. It's like, this is what it looks like when you excel at something. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. Before he ever excelled like that, before he ever won gold medals, he had to learn the basics. Even the great David Wise. Somebody had to teach him how to put on skis. Somebody had to teach him how to step into bindings. Somebody taught the great David Wise how to snowplow. 
Come on, Colorado parents. How difficult and frustrating is it to teach your child to snowplow? And how many cuss words did you say when you did it? I was with Chad when he taught Jude how to snowboard. I heard cuss words I hadn't even heard before. I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't even know existed. Before David Wise ever excelled, he learned the basics. Like I said, for me, the way I read the Bible, to the best of my understanding, and the way it's the way me and my family have acted, me and Jill have been tithing for 20 years in the good times and the bad times. When we didn't have our own home, when we didn't have a place to live, when we didn't have jobs, we're like, the goods, the bads, that's just how we live. For us, tithing is the basics, and we do that before we can ever excel. Now, maybe you've been around church, and that's a familiar term. Maybe it's not. That word tithe just means tenth. It literally is what the word means. It means tenth. And we see this all throughout the Bible, this, this tithing process that God teaches us. And it, basically, it goes like this. Whatever I am given, whatever I earn, whatever income I have, I realize everything I have is from God. And so he says, bring me back the first 10% of it. That's what it means to tithe. Now, you may have been around church just long enough to hear, well, we don't actually need to pay attention to that tithe thing because that's Old Testament law and we live under the new covenant, right? And what that usually means, I'm not saying that's you, but what that usually means is I've never looked into any of this myself. I heard someone say it. I don't want to give. I'm going with that. That's what it usually means, okay? Understand this. Tithing was part of the Old Testament law, Right? Definitely, that's true. It was part of the Old Testament law, but understand this, it was not confined to the Old Testament law. In fact, tithing, we learned how to tithe from Abraham. Abraham started tithing and teaches us how to tithe 400 years before Moses was ever even born, and he's the one who received the law. So tithing was around long before the law. It was so good, it was part of the law. There was a certain time where if you were a God follower and you didn't tithe, you were actually breaking the law. It was around before the law. It was a part of the law. It's in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 23. You can go read it for yourself. He sits some guys down. He goes, guys, you're missing it right now. You're tithing, but you're not doing this and this and this. Keep tithing, but pay attention to these things. It's in the Old Testament before the law. It's in the law. It's in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it. I'm telling you, tithing, as best I can tell from the Bible, my belief is it's just a biblical principle through the whole Bible. Here's what Malachi says. Bring the whole tithe. That's the whole tenth into the storehouse. That's your local place of worship. That there may be food in my house. This is the only command that God ever gives and follows it up with, test me. When the creator of the universe says, this is what I'd like you to do, test me. That's why I said we should at least consider it. <laughs> test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, test me. I know. In the world's eyes, it seems crazy. It seems backwards. It seems upside down. And let's just call a spade a spade. Tithing doesn't make sense if you're rich. Tithing doesn't make sense if you're broke. It just doesn't. I know, right? Because I've had nothing. I've had been in times. The, in fact, the first time I ever tithed, I said this last year, so I'm just going to give you a, the cliff notes. I lived with Eric. He, he just got married and had a baby. I lived basically on his porch. They didn't even have a bedroom for me. 
Everything I owned fit in three cardboard boxes. I moved from LA to Rockford, Illinois. God help me. I had just totaled my car. I had no vehicle, no place to live, no money, $20,000 in student loans and every credit card maxed. And I just got a part-time job at the church. Like I have nothing. And someone says, you know what? You ought to tithe. And that's when I was like, yeah, we ought to step outside. <laughs> right? I know the feeling. Like, and, and someone that... My friend said something to me, and I'm telling you, it changed my life, and I've been sharing it ever since because I hope some of you grab onto this truth. She said, hey, look, didn't he say, did you read that? Like, God says, test me. Do this, and watch if I don't bless you in ways that just blow you out of the water. If you're broke, isn't now the time you need financial blessing from God more than any other time in your entire life? This is the perfect time to start. It's like if you're drowning, right? in the ocean, and I'm like, hey, I got a life jacket, and you're like, no, I don't, I don't want it, not yet, not till I get to the shore. <laughs> what? No, you need the life jacket now. You don't need to wait till you get to the shore and then grab the life jacket. And so if you're struggling, the good thing about the tithe is 10% of very little is very, very little. <laughs> Tithing's actually easier when we're broke, I'm telling you. Statistics prove to us that the more a person makes, the less likely they are to actually tithe. You see, what we say is when I get more, when I can, and we just don't. Because the more and more you get, the harder and harder it is to actually bring God back 10% because that starts to feel crazy. A, a, a girl asked my wife early on in the church, she said, your, your husband was talking about tithing at church. Do you guys do that? And Jill's like, yeah, we do. At the time, we were living in someone else's apartment because we were so broke, we couldn't even get our own place. And this girl goes, wow. She goes, we make a lot. 10% <laughs> of what we make is crazy. It's true, though, isn't it? Doesn't make sense when we're broke. Doesn't make sense when we're rich. God says, test me. And listen, I, this, is, this, is, this is a dangerous statement to say living in Colorado, but I want you to know I'm smoking what I'm selling. Okay. When it comes to an end of year giving, I can promise you one thing. Me and my wife will go first. I promise you that. And when it comes to tithing, we've been married almost 20 years. We've tithed through hell or high water. Good days, bad days, good months, bad months. So poor we can't pay rent. So blessed we feel like we don't deserve anything. And I thought about this this week. I thought if I could, if I could go back in time and take one of those tithe checks back, would I? And I can tell you before God with 100% sincerity, I would not. Because I've just seen his blessings. I've seen, he has changed our lives so many times. And sometimes he blesses you financially. Sometimes he blesses us and takes, cares of, takes care of us in other ways. I have just seen the miraculous power of God throughout my entire Christian life in ways that I've just never deserved. Now listen, here's what I also know though. It's easy to sit where you sit because I, like I said, I've done it a bunch and you listen to someone on stage talk about tithing and you go, well, isn't that convenient? The dude that gets paid from the church says I ought to bring money to the church. Huh. Like, would you think I was born yesterday, right? Because see, here's the deal for some of you, excelling in the grace of giving this year, here in three weeks when we take an end of year offering, excelling for you, would be to sit down 
and figure out what did we make in 2018. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to test him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to write a tithe check for 2018. And you give that in the end of your offering. And for some of you, that's going to be excelling in the grace of giving. But here's what I want you to do. Don't, don't clap yet. I, I would I like, I'd like you to clap in a minute because I'm going to say something that's going to make half the people mad, okay? <laughs> no, I'm not really. Actually, let's just clap. Someone started. I stopped it. That's my bad. Let her rip. Here, I want to I free some of you up who might be thinking or questioning motives, especially if you just don't know us or you haven't been here for very long. So here's what I want you to do. I challenge you. Write that tithe check for 2018. Just don't give it here. Give it to another church. Now, let me tell you a little dirty secret about us churches. Like, we're all flawed, right? Because we're all broken people, even the ones of us who run churches, okay? And so what happens is, is we love to give to Africa. We can't stand to give to somebody around the corner. Because somehow, what if someone, what if their church grows and ours doesn't? We're in this silent competition thing. And I just want you to know, that's, we're not playing that game here. So I want you to write your tithe check for 2018, and if you question my motives or this church's leadership or our motives or what the money does or whatever, then just give it to a different church. And some of you are like, look, bro, this is the only church I've ever been to, and now that you're talking about money, I don't know if I ever go back to one. I don't know about other churches to give to. Let me help you out. Please put that slide up. These are our four main campuses right now outside of our God Behind Bars campuses. And the campus pastor at each location, I said, give me two churches right around the corner from you that we have relationship with that you would love for our church to help them financially. So if you live in Arvada and you go, man, I want to tithe, but I don't know, you wear skinny jeans and I don't know if I could trust that, then <laughs> Restoration Covenant Church and Mile High Vineyard, both right around the corner from the Arvada campus, man, they would be so blessed if you would send them your money when it comes to your end of year giving this year. If you're at the Lakewood campus, Faith Mountain Church and the Bridge Church at Bear Creek, both right there in the area, you'll blow their socks off. They start getting tithe checks from people they don't even know. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you go to the Littleton campus, the Rock Community Church or Passionate Life Church, two great churches right in this area, it would be awesome if we could bless them financially. Brussels, let me talk to you, Brussels. I know some of you, you have met James. Which camera's on right now? I can't see the light. Show me the light. Give me a, show me the light. Boom. <laughs> Brussels. Some of you have met James in the lobby and you're like, nobody's really this nice. I know. I've questioned his niceness myself. If you question anything there but you want to give, look, Alive Kirk and Life Point Church right there in your area, send them your finances, bless them like crazy. And then I put two at the bottom because ever since I've been here and we started Red Rocks Church, there's been two churches that we have so looked up to, so respected, so learned from. And it's been Cherry Hills Community Church and Flatirons Community Church. And, I mean, you want to talk about a couple churches that are making an impact for the kingdom of God, that are reaching lost people, that are helping people experience freedom through Jesus Christ. These two and all those other ones that I listed are, I would be honored if you sent them some money instead of giving it here, just in case you question any of our motives, because I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm not worried about the budget here. God takes great care of this church. I'm not trying to build Red Rocks Church. I'm trying to build the kingdom of God, and I want to do it with some people people who want to get generous with me. That's what I want to be a part of. My last statement slash challenge 
I'm totally out of time, so I'm going to go 10 minutes longer. <laughs> that okay? We got 10 more in you, okay? You got 10 more minutes? All right. Make your giving about worship. Pray. Some of you just start with, God, would you give me the grace to give and show me where, and I'll start small. And some of you, I want to challenge you, consider tithing. God says, test me, and I believe it's going to change your life in many ways. And the last thing I want to say is a whole bunch of you, you're already there. You're already doing what to me is giving 101, the basics, tithing. And now I'm saying every now and then ask God for an opportunity to excel and make it about worship. I told you we got to hang out with, with David Wise this week, and again, I couldn't be more impressed with, with his skiing credentials. But I, we were texting this week, and I told him, like, dude, just who you are as a person has completely inspired me. And, and we'll see how it turns out. But we, we were like, hey, what's it going to take to get a Red Rock sticker on your helmet during the X Games, bro? <laughs> and he's like, oh, man. He goes, monster gets real uptight when I start doing stuff like that. <laughs> He said, maybe on my skis. I said, all right, bet. So I want to share part of his story because God used his story about skiing to speak to me about my generosity. You ever had that happen where you hear somebody's story and then God uses their story to speak to you about your own life in a completely different area? That happened to me this week with him. I'm one of those people that like, I grew up really poor, and then because of that, I, 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 as I became my own adult, I became really selfish and really stingy, and anything I could get, man, I'd just hoard and hide, and I'd steal if I had to, like, whatever. Like, I, I was the opposite of generous. And now, like, my best friends and my family, they know, like, if they want me to really feel a compliment, they'll say, hey, man, that, that, was, that was generous. Like, it's just who I want to be, because I wasn't for so long. It's who I really want to be, Right? So God spoke to me about my generosity as David talked about skiing. And he was telling this story. He said, he said in 2017, he was at this qualifying event for the X Games. Now, understand when you do what he does for a living, and he's got, you know, a wife and two kids, the way you support your family is you win the event or you get sponsors like Monster and all the energy drinks and, and the apparel and all that stuff. You get sponsors who pay you. That's, that's how you make your living. Well, he's at a qualifying event to qualify to be in the next X Games. This was 2017. When they do any of their events, they do three runs. And you don't average the scores. You just take your best of the three runs, and that's your score. And then they compare that with everybody else's best, and that's how you just, they decide who gets placed where, okay? So he's at this qualifying event. His first two runs... He crashes and, and literally breaks his back. And, and he's getting ready for the third run. And he's talking to Luke, who's one of his great friends and one of our youth pastors here at Red Rocks Church. And he's talking to Luke. And Luke understands the pressure that he's under to get sponsors and to qualify for this event, to make enough money to support his family as a professional skier. Like he knows the pressure. And Luke goes, hey, listen, bro you got to tone it down for this third run. Like you're going for it, and you're, like you're, try, you're trying to do the 10 run. The truth is you're so good, like you could do the seven. You could put in a seven, and you can still get on the podium. You're that good, and you're really hurt. You need to tone it down. And Luke said, I'll never forget what David said to me next. He goes, I could do that, but it wouldn't be worship. 
He said, when I ski, when I'm on this mountain, I'm worshiping. So I don't ever tone it down. God always gets my best. And he said, I'm going to the top, and I'm going for it. And he went for it on his third run. And he crashed again because he was injured. And he took ninth. You don't get sponsors for ninth. Didn't qualify for the X Games. He always qualifies. Forget qualifying. He wins them. He's like, I can't remember the last time I didn't qualify. Now, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm at one of my lows in life because I'm, I'm watching the bank account start to go down. And there are no sponsors. And I took ninth. But he said, I'll tell you what. Yes, I crashed on the third run. And yes, it was a real bad day. And I didn't qualify. And I took ninth. But he said, you know what? I went to bed that night. And when I put my head on my pillow, I had nothing but peace. Because I could go to sleep well knowing it didn't turn out the way I wanted. But I gave God my best. And there's peace in that. So he's preaching to our staff, and I'm in the back crying, going, who is this guy? Well, then he goes and he, he watches the X Games. He's like, dude, I, I don't ever watch. I'm in them. And he said, it was, a, it was a low, a real low point in life. And, and let this speak to you about your life, if some of you are struggling right now. He goes, I'm watching the bank account go like this. I got a family to take care of. And there are no sponsors and I can't get any money for winning. And, and he said something that, come on, we know what this feels like. I'm on the sidelines and I'm watching everybody else live out what I want to be my dream. And I don't get to be a part. All I get to do is watch. He said, I started questioning my career and my dreams and my future, like all time low. But it was in that moment, in that all time low where God began to speak to him. See, that's what often, if you're in a low right now, I want to challenge you, get in the word and just start saying, God, I don't understand where you got me and why you got me here, but I'm all ears because it's oftentimes at our lowest point that God says, let me speak to you about where I'm about to take you. I know you're at a low now. Let me talk to you about where you could be. And that started to happen. He said it was crazy. He said, I never watch everybody do their runs. Because I'm mentally picturing my own runs and I'm preparing to do my own runs. But God had me on the sidelines. It's like all I could do was watch. And so I watched everybody. And he said, I felt like God pointed something out to me. He goes, you notice nobody in the world. He's watching the best skiers on the planet. Nobody in the world is doing four double corks in all different directions in one run. Can't be done. What that means is, is somebody in one run down the half pipe goes forward, two spins to the left, forward, two spins to the right, backwards, two spins to the left, backwards, two spins to the right. No one in the world could do four double corks in all different directions in one run. And he felt like God dropped it in his heart and said, until you, you're going to be the first. And at his low, he started dreaming of what could be. And he said, and he said, look, when I, because what I do is my worship, he said, I outwork everybody. Nobody works as hard as I do. So he started working on this, working on this, working on this. Okay, fast forward to the Olympics, 2018, this year, in Korea, Pyeongchang. He's going to try to do something that no human has ever done on skis before. He's got three shots. His first two runs, some of you already know, his first two runs, he crashed bad. In fact, he's hitting the, he's hitting the bottom with so, much, so many G-forces that his equipment kept failing. And he was telling me, he's like, dude, I have the best equipment on the planet. He was hitting it so hard that his skis were popping off, popping loose from his, from his, his bindings and skis were all popping 
apart and, and, and he was crashing. And so he's now about to do his third and final run. And all of a sudden, like it hit him, like, like my whole life I've worked for this one dream and it all hinges on one 35 second run. And he said he started walking around the top of the mountain. He was just walking in the trees and he said, I just started praying. I started talking to God. And, and, I, and I was like, God, I, I could do less and probably win this thing. But this is my worship. And I want to give you my best. And so he said, he said, I just prayed. I said, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. But I'm giving you my best on this last run. And as he's telling me this, it reminded me of King David. King David on top of a mountain was about to give a sacrifice to God. And someone came up to him and said, I got everything prepared. And we brought everything to be sacrificed. And David said, oh, no, you don't get that stuff off the altar. I'm paying for everything in full because I will not bring a sacrifice to my God that costs me nothing. And now our David, the Red Rocks Church family David, is on a mountain saying, I won't bring to God that which costs me nothing. I don't know how this is going to turn out, God, but I'm going to give you my best today. And this was his third run in the Olympics this year. The defending Olympic gold medalist David Wise out of Reno, Nevada. He has fallen on his first two runs because of a malfunction on the binding. They took a heavy-duty screwdriver to it, and we will see if it pays off. If he puts a full pull together, Luke, with the tricks that he has in his bag, there's no question he is one of the top in the world, probably the top in the world. That is 100% true. The situation right now, he has not had an opportunity to garner any momentum, needs to pull everything together and let her rip right here. Coming in backwards, this first hit, the switch, double 1080. Gets it down, gets it around. Many more doubles yet to come. There's the 12. Wise looking strong, great amplitude. Here's the tricky crash on and run one. This time puts it to his feet. The other switch double. The only guy doing both switch doubles. Down into the bottom. Does he have the double court? 1260. Yes. Ah, uh, come on. And with that run, he won the gold medal at the Olympics. This is a picture of him with his family celebrating afterwards. How cool is that, church? I told you, God spoke to me about my generosity through his story. And this is how. <laughs> Put that picture back up of David. See, that's what it looks like when my friend David excels at what he does. And I, I told God, I said, I want to be generous. That's I wanted to define my life. And God said to me, when you put your generosity on skis, does it look like that? <laughs> that's my new dream for myself, church. And that's my dream for us as a church family. See, I believe that we are not called to just talk about being generous, church. I believe we are going to be a generous church, and God's going to take our generosity and turn it around and change the world through it. I'm telling you, church, when you put our generosity on skis, it's going to look like that. That's what it's going to look like. That's the church we're called to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we have so much to be thankful for right now.
Every single one of us. The fact that we are here and have breath in our lungs to praise you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for where you have us. Even for those of us who would say, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not experiencing what I want to experience. God, I pray you'd give us peace and joy in this moment. And you would remind every single one of us that at every single stage of life, we have been blessed in some way to be a blessing to somebody else. And we can do that. And when we do, even in the midst of trials, we get your peace and your joy and your purpose and your freedom. God, you know my heart. I don't care about building this church. I want to build your church. I want to build your kingdom. And I believe, God, you are raising up a group of generous people that are going to become such an army for you, such a force, that we're going to go out from here and we're going to change the world. And I claim that over us in this church family in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, church, let's worship.